0: So glad to have our Teen Challenge friends here today, and uh, if you're new to church or new to the idea of Teen Challenge, you'll hear a bit more about that in a few minutes. So uh, I'm like part one this morning, and then there's part two, which is the Teen Challenge Stories of, of Faith and Freedom, and, uh, but we're continuing a series of scripture talks called Untangled, and uh, if you happen to miss last week's, you can head over to our YouTube channel, and you'll be able to catch up. Um, but we are talking about important matters of addiction today. And uh, we are in a post-pandemic world. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah, a few of us are happy about that. Others want to stay there. I'm not sure. Uh, but we are in a post-pandemic world. Amen. Amen. All right. And um, you know, we were concerned with uh, physical well-being and so we should have been uh, in the recent past, Uh, but what was kind of under the surface going on that um, the media maybe didn't shine quite as bright of a light on it at the time, but we all knew it was gonna be emerging, was uh, financial issues, uh, mental health issues, um, addiction issues, they're real. And um, our community in Oshawa, the Durham region, Uh, It doesn't take uh, long before you drive a certain distance to see that there is economic challenge, there is mental health issues, and there is um, drug and alcohol addiction, um, among so many other things, but it's becoming increasingly visible these days. In fact, we um, surveyed our church family a number of months ago, and we asked you, coming out of the pandemic, where are you struggling these days so that we can speak directly to the issues that are impacting you? And the themes that emerged for us were this idea of uh, social isolation that was very real. Loneliness was very high. Uh, There was a sense of anxiety and uh, some struggling with depression. And we asked questions around addiction. And uh, there were um, some of you who said, yeah, you know what, Uh, drinking a little too much and uh, using a little bit too much. And it's becoming problematic for me. And um, so Christians, those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus, we are not exempt or immune from getting entangled in um, behaviors and practices, including substances and addictions. And so this is the theme for this morning. We're gonna talk about breaking free from addiction. And I'm just gonna kinda take a 30,000 foot view um, of it and uh, introduce you to four very important biblical passages. And then we're gonna spend some time talking about pain, pleasure, people, and pathways. That's where we're gonna go this morning. But just before we do that, if you're able, would you stand with me? And we're gonna take a look at our passage to ponder. And um, I used to just read this on my own or whoever the teaching, preaching pastor was on the given Sunday, but uh, we have decided that it's a good communal practice that we would all recite um, the passage to ponder together. So, would you join me by reading from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. Uh, If you remember last week, I just briefly touched on a uh, powerful uh, chapter in John's gospel, chapter 11, where Jesus comes after being delayed somewhat for three days. He comes to um, the graveside of Lazarus, one of his friends. And it is a powerful, powerful story Of how a dead man comes back to life. And there are some very important principles to consider when we look at that story. Let me just really concisely deliver it to you in like 60 seconds or less. Jesus says to his disciple friends, roll away the stone. Jesus could have spoken to the stone because moments later he speaks to a dead man and he calls him to live again and he obeys. He could have spoken to the stone and just said, be moved. But he invited his disciple friends to do the heavy lifting or rolling. Then, after the dead man rises, he speaks to his disciple friends again, and he says, undo him from his grave clothes, my paraphrase. He could have spoken again to the grave clothes and just said, come off the man. But he involved his disciple friends. This is very important for us to understand. Jesus invites his friends, that's us, those of us who put our saving faith in Christ, to move stones in other people's lives so that they can hear his voice, so that they can move from death to life. Then he also invites his disciple friends, that's us again today, to help people who are alive but have the scent of death all over them to be untangled so that they can walk freely. In the words of the writer of Hebrews, he says, so that we can run the race marked out for us. It's hard to run when you are entangled, right? And so we play a role in helping each other experience spiritual life and to grow in freedom. It's not just me and Jesus. It's Jesus and us together. And so ministries recovery organizations like Teen Challenge and so many other freedom session that we're starting again in the next number of weeks. These are movements. These are um, spirit-prompted reaches to people. It's the way God works in the world. All you have to do is casually read through the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, and you'll find out that God delights and celebrates in working with people. He gives them dominion. He says, go and be fruitful but it's something that he wants us to do with him. And in the the physical realm, he invites us, those of us who are in marriage relationships and who have been given the capacity to do so, he says, go and be fruitful. We we partner with God in procreation. It's not just in that, it's in ruling and reigning in the world, it's in helping people who are entangled to walk in greater levels of freedom. And so, um, let's start with these four passages, and then we're gonna move to four principles. And then we'll land this and we'll hear some stories of faith and freedom, okay? So here's the four passages. They'll be on the screen. These are really, really foundational for us as we consider what it means to break free from addiction. Here's the passage, the first one. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city, the writer describes a city as as a picture for us. Like a city whose walls are broken through. They've been like punctured in some way. The enemy has got access. The wall at least at some point, is down, it's been compromised. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So immediately, the writer of Proverbs says that self-control functions like the walls of a city. And if you're living in the ancient world, the walls of the city were there to protect you from those who didn't have your best interest in mind. And the walls of the city also served as boundary markers. It was where the, uh, the property line began and ended for a certain city or country. And so when we lack self-control, we are vulnerable to the enemy. And we have probably compromised boundaries on what should demarcate, where we begin, where we end, where we function, where others step into our space, etc. And so, like a city whose walls are broken through, is a person who lacks self-control. Walls provide self-protection, and walls provide boundaries. That's our first passage to consider, self-control. We also know, as we read the New Testament, that it is a fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is strongly working in someone's life, they don't have less control. They have more control. But if you remember last week when we talked about this... Um, Coping strategies are designed for humans Sometimes we adopt them consciously sometimes less so but we adopt coping strategies in order to navigate and manage pain The problem is when coping strategies go wrong we end up Being entangled in something that's become a pattern. There's a habit in some circles We would call it a stronghold or a bondage in the psychological community, they would call it addictions. All of a sudden, there's compulsions that have power and control over me. I'm no longer the free person I want to be. Something else is directing my life and taking me in all sorts of wrong directions. So the first passage, Proverbs 25, 28. The second one is this, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Um, Paul writes to Titus and says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation, we can underline that word, offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live, as we just talked about, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So, this is good news for us. Salvation includes a future orientation or a future reality when one day we will no longer be confined to our bodies. This jar of clay, as Paul describes it, will be smashed, returned to the earth. The tent of the dwelling we live in will come down. Our spirit will return to God. This is the truth about who we are, the future tents of our salvation. We will be at home with God. Sin will no longer rule us. We will be completely, entirely, practically free. For now we are positionally free and as Paul writes working out our salvation with fear and trembling that word salvation in Greek literally means for us to be made whole it is a there is a word that's associated with healing and so when Jesus saves us, he just doesn't say, I want you to be with me on the other side when the tent comes down and the jar of clay is broken and the dust returns to the earth where it came from. I want to put you together in the here and now. I want you to be whole. There is a reclaiming, a restorative work. There is a putting back together again. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, right? But he's being put back together again. God is putting broken people back together again. Now, can we just pause there for a second? The data, the empirical evidence, the social studies, the psychological community, they would all affirm this. Faith communities play a very powerful role in people overcoming addiction. The Alcoholics Anonymous movement has faith roots. It is informed by the idea of a higher power, right? Bill Wilson. Study after study will tell you that people who connect themselves to a faith community have a leg up when it comes to dealing with addictions. When we know the truth, as we heard today, the truth will set you free. So, there is something really, really important about the work of the Spirit restoring us and healing us for both sides of heaven. The problem is, sometimes in faith communities when we don't function well, there is a measure of shame that can settle into the people of God when we are not living in victory all the time. How are you doing, brother? I'm on the victory side. How you doing? Couldn't be better when all along there may be some compulsions, some struggles, some, tempt- some temptations, some whatever language you wanna use, ensnarements that are tripping that person up. And you know what? I don't know if the lobby is the place to talk about it necessarily, but I think we do need to talk about it somewhere, with someone, because the longer it stays in the dark, the more havoc it wreaks in our lives. An addiction is never a function of isolation though it might blossom and bloom there it always has a residual impact on other people addiction hurts the person and it hurts the community the circle that the person is attached to and belongs to and so salvation is about healing this other word that again if you're new to church sanctification is about um, growing to resemble the um, reclaimed restorative image of God that is in every human person. But sin has a tendency to destroy and to distort. And when the spirit of Jesus comes and we say yes to his leadership in our lives, he begins to reform us, we begin to grow to resemble what we were intended to be all along. And so, sanctification is about saying yes and no. Sometimes we say yes to things we should say no to, and sometimes we say no to things we should say yes to. It's what it means to be human. We all get it wrong sometimes. We all have challenges. For some, it's overeating or perhaps undereating, for some, it's overspending. For others, there's sexual addiction, drug, alcohol addiction, there's gambling, there's, you, you, you name it. Humans have a tendency to get ensnared, and Jesus wants to set us free. But what I want to say to you today is this, there is no shame in addiction. There is no shame in addiction. In fact, shame makes addiction even more powerful in someone's life. And so we give you permission today to not be the whole person quite yet that God wants you and I to be. We are all a work in process. And he's committed to that process, by the way. And so where you stumble, where you fail, where you fall, where you get tripped up, there are circles, there are places, there are pastoral communities, counseling offices, there are brothers and sisters who walk with one another, who bear one another's burdens. I love Galatians chapter 6. It says, Those of you who are spiritual ought to restore your brothers and sisters and to do this gently, not harshly, but gently. We come alongside one another and we give each other support and strength and we say, You know what? We can get through this together. But isolation can be a terrible, terrible thing. It's not always the case. Um, But often it's the case women have a tendency to move further into addiction within social circles Men have a tendency to move further into addiction when they isolate You'll find exceptions to that all over the place But generally speaking men cut off social relationships and withdraw and isolate women tend to move into social circles and it becomes more intense But you can find people moving in and out of those kind of settings along the way We need to be aware. We need to be honest and we need to pay careful attention Two more passages, and then I'm going to lead you through something reasonably quickly. Here is the third passage, 1 Peter chapter 5. Be alert, Peter writes. In other words, wake up and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's interesting that the devouring work of the evil one is associated when we lack a sober mind. You know, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for you. I'm working with more young people these days that when I talk with them about some of their mental health issues, they're using marijuana every day to cope. For some, it's to fall asleep, but it can create some real, real challenges in the brain. And and people can end up with a lot of complexity when substances are misused. And um, Peter writes and says, be sober-minded, be clear-minded. Don't allow something to get in to distort your thinking because when that happens, you are way more vulnerable to the one who wants to eat you up and spit you out. And uh, the evil one, our adversary, he wants to hook us to destroy us. And mood-altering substances don't help us think clearly. They distort our thinking, and when we have distorted thinking, we're not at our best. And so it's really, really important that we... um, We stay in charge of our mind because when we give our mind to something else, problems, real complex problems emerge. All right, one last passage is this from 1 Corinthians chapter six. Paul's writing actually in the context of misused sexuality. Uh, He says, and he's quoting the Corinthians. As you read this passage, you need to understand that there's been letters going back and forth between the Corinthians and Paul. And he's quoting them now. So this is what they had written to Paul. He said, they said, we have the right to do anything. And then Paul chimes in and says, you say this, but not everything is beneficial. Then he quotes them again. We have the right to do anything. And then Paul chimes in one more time and says, but you should not be mastered by anything. Not everything is beneficial. And not everything leads to greater levels of freedom. And in the Christian life, it needs to be said, there's great levels of freedom. Jesus has pardoned you from your sins. He has separated the consequences, the eternal consequences that we would pay if we were not rescued by his beautiful, rich, infinite mercy. We've said yes to his leadership. Our sins have been canceled, past, present, and future. And now we demonstrate that we're in Christ by living a life of gratitude and honor to the one true God. There's a lot of freedom. Paul says, don't abuse your freedom in Christ because when we abuse our freedom we end up creating all sorts of problems for ourselves. Misused sexuality is also a problem and it can become a, an addiction in its own right and it can mess up relationships and rob us of peace and joy and all of those things. So, 1 Corinthians 6:12. An emphasis on rights and this is so relevant for today. An emphasis on rights doesn't necessarily lead to wisdom. We lead in a culture, we live in a culture that says that these are my rights. And if we spend so much energy overdosing on all of our rights, we may actually compromise wisdom and do very unintelligent things bordering on foolishness that hurts both ourselves and others. And so focusing on rights does not necessarily give birth to wisdom. All right, can we talk about pain, pleasure, people and pathways, and then I'm gonna invite Tracy to come up in just a moment. Um, here's the challenge. Pain is real. Here's our four options as it relates to pain. We can deny it, it never happened. We can run from it and try to put some daylight between us and that painful event or that painful relationship, and we just turn on our heels and head for the exit door. We can medicate it. Alcohol, drugs, shopping, spending, sex, over or under eating, social media, binging on Netflix. Did I say binging on Netflix? Yes, I did. Gambling. Anything to just quiet the pain. Dial it back a little bit. i got to turn that pain down. The pain meter's too high. Where do I go? i got to go somewhere because I don't want to sit with this. Because that's the fourth option. Sitting with it doesn't feel like much fun. Sitting with it means I feel like I'm prolonging it. I'm calling it a friend. But that is the way forward. To sit with it. To acknowledge it to own it, and to walk through it. If we pretend it's not there, if we deny it's real, if we head for the exit door, we try to self-medicate, we're only gonna create more problems. But pain is often why we experience addiction. And where do we go? We go to increase pleasure. Dial back the pain and increase the pleasure principle. And so we head for all sorts of different settings where we can experience A helpful, pleasurable distraction from the pain that we experience. Uh, It is an absolute beautiful idea that we need to understand. This professor, Dr. Anna Lemke from Stanford University. um, She talks about how the brain seeks balance. Um, By the way, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not true. All truth is God's truth, right? All truth is God's truth, Scripture itself says, go for a walk in nature, and you'll encounter the truth. God is all over the place. Dr. Anna Lemke says that the brain seeks balance, or in some circles they would call it homeostasis, where pain and pleasure need to find a balance. I'm going somewhere with this because it's really, really important. Human beings tend to pursue pleasure because no one who's healthy wants pain, right? So we want to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. And so, we will overconsume, overparticipate, overwatch Netflix, whatever it might be. We'll overdo it and then what the body will do and we'll use alcohol consumption as an example. Somebody overdrinks, what happens the next day? They put the pressure on, or they put the, the, the pressure on the pleasure principle and it brings the scale down, you end up having a hangover. It's the body's way of saying, I'm gonna have to give you some pain the brain needs to find balance and homeostasis. What about the opposite? I'm going to go and have some pain. I'm going to go for a 10 kilometer jog. What happens? It's called the runner's high. Endorphins kick in. And by the time you get home and kick off your shoes and have a glass of water, you say, oh, I feel so good. The body says too much pain. Let's deliver some pleasure. It's the way the brain works. But when humans say, I don't want anything to do with pain, I'm just going to maximize pleasure, that's when we fall into trouble because we keep putting our finger on the pleasure side of the balance beam and we end up creating issues for our brain and then all of a sudden our brain says, I want more of that, I want more of that, I want more of that, I want more of that. And now you're hooked. This is the way it works. So we sit with our pain. Let it be what it is. Some of us have gone through nasty relationship endings. Some of us are grieving the loss of a loved one. We walked through a painful pandemic. What did we do? Did we run from it? Some of us may have a little more than we want to acknowledge. And we tried to carve out a pleasure approach to life and it created some issues for us. Um, Finally, and we'll finish quick here, people. We've got the pain, the pleasure people. When we function in social circles, addiction can flourish in isolation, but it also can flourish in circles of common practice. Choose your friends wisely. Um, It's often been said before that those you call your closest friends, you have some common interests or some commonality, and if you don't, it will come soon enough because we become like the people we spent time with. Like begets like, it's a principle in scripture. And then finally, the path forward gets carved out. How we manage pain, how we seek pleasure, the people we associate with will determine largely the path that we follow. And so uh, scripture says, walk with wise people and become wise. A companion of fools, uh, foolish people suffers harm. Proverbs 13, 20. Okay, so um, addiction. What's the takeaway from today? No shame, no shame, no shame. Talk to somebody. Find a selective, wisely selected person that you can speak with. Bring it into the light. When it stays in the shadows, it has a life of its own, and it can hurt you more than you can imagine. And so talk with somebody who's safe. And there are professional people you can speak with. On our website, kingstreet.org, we've got, I think there's four Christian therapists that are part of our church family. And if you would like to go outside of our church family, we would be happy to help you find someone. You can come and meet with a pastor. Uh, you can talk with somebody. And just getting it off your chest can go a long way. Teen Challenge, a very helpful organization. We'll hear bo- about, uh, more about Teen Challenge in just a moment. So um, are you glad that Teen Challenge is here today? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> They're doing great work. And so we have, uh, we have three stools here, and uh, because we have three wonderful guests, and I'm going to invite them to come at this time. We have Tracy, um, who is the Donor Relations Officer at Teen Challenge. And we have both Michaela and Rebecca, who are students and clients um, of Teen Challenge and are making wonderful progress along the area of faith and freedom. And so um, we wanna give you guys a tremendous warm welcome. I was was, uh, in the office with you earlier and I promised you that you were among friends, didn't I? I said that you had people cheering for you. And uh, so are you cheering for them to tell their stories of faith and freedom? So Tracy, I'm glad you're here, and uh, it is going to be a good morning. It already has been, and uh, we'll learn more about how people can contact you in the lobby, but why don't you just tell us a little bit more about Team Challenge, and then we'll hear from both Michaela and Rebecca.
1: Awesome, awesome. I was told that as soon as I press this button, this is going to be on. Correct? Awesome. That's a good thing. Um, Boy, I know I'm in the right place. You have some of those moments where you know you're right in the center of God's will through his word being shared and a couple of those scriptures were very, very, very impactful to me. One was the very first I had ever memorized and another was the last word that God gave me this morning. Praise God. Uh, You want to share our gratitude? for even being here this morning. So thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pia. I don't know where you are right at this moment, but um, I started to get to know Pia a little bit last year. I was here at a Christmas market. And at that time, we did not know what 2022 would bring, but it has brought blessing and favor from the Lord God Almighty. And for that, we praise him for sure. Uh, I'm gonna jump right in. Pastor gave a great message here, but I'm gonna jump right in with the hard fact drug addiction and alcohol abuse is prevalent in our world today and lives are being destroyed. The damage that's being caused is colossal. But I didn't even have to start with that introduction because we can look around and we don't have to go very far before we see the effects, right? That last word on pain. Pain is the only thing that demands to be felt. Boy, oh boy, we cannot run from it. The worst part, folks, of addiction is not even addiction. It's what it steals. It steals dignity. It steals hope. You know? Hopelessness is actually what Teen Challenge is fighting. But hopelessness is not true. There will always be hope. Because hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. As an organization, Teen Challenge is committed to walking along those who struggle with addiction to help them find hope. We're a 12-month, faith-based, in-residence treatment facility For individuals that are over the age of 18 whose lives have been consumed with the use and abuse of drugs and or alcohol. We actually uh, operate nine centers in Canada, three of which are right here in Ontario. King Street Community Church has been involved in one way or another with the men's center as well as the women's center and for that we're very grateful because without that church support we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So thank you for helping to fulfill the mission. And the mission of Teen Challenge is simply stated to help individuals overcome addiction to lead full and productive lives. We're fulfilling that mission, praise the Lord. Each person that comes through our doors is an individual. And although the program itself is highly structured and that there's definitely an established routine, each person's program can be individually tailored to address and help to deal with those specific roots that continued to keep somebody trapped and get entangled, right? Our therapeutic program equips those who are experiencing drug addiction and alcohol abuse um, and empowers them to to get the victory, empowers them to overcome in every area of their lives. And although we are a Christian organization, you don't have to be a Christian to come into Teen Challenge. We will acknowledge, though, that you have to be willing to participate in the program and to keep an open mind, right? We know that God is the catalyst for change. And when a man or a woman yields to an almighty God, change is inevitable. Amen. Overcoming addictions, habits, trauma, dealing with pain and loss, learning to forgive, all that's extremely hard work. It takes time. It's a journey, but it is possible, possible. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. Day by day, choice by choice, the men and women in our program, as they learn to face their pasts and embrace new life, they start to gain the personal freedom and enter into lifelong recovery. Joining me today are Rebecca and Michaela. Both of these women are currently enrolled in this Teen Challenge program. And both of them, one after the other, are going to share just a little portion of their lives with you to share the goodness of God in them and where they are today. Thank you.
2: That's all good. It doesn't get taller. I got it. (laughs) <laughs> thank you. Um, I just wanted to say addiction will obviously take you further than you ever wanted to go and it'll certainly cost more than you wanted to pay. But to hear um, from your pastor that there's no shame in addiction, whew, that's amazing. So it's the truth. Wow. Thank you. My name is Rebecca and I was born in London, Ontario and I grew up in a small well, small towns outside of the city. I'm the second oldest in a family of six girls. I was raised with a strong belief in Jesus, and around age 12, my parents' relationship headed to a very troubling and messy divorce. At that time, I had desperately wanted to live with my dad, but when he found a new girlfriend, all those hopes and plans ended. My older sister went to live with our dad, and from that point on, my father um, ended contact with me. As a result, my faith was shattered. I was very bitter, angry, and very brokenhearted. Their divorce caused a series of moves, um, new schools, lost friends, but eventually my mom, my four younger sisters and I moved to London, Ontario. I did not want to start all over again, so I stopped pursuing my passions of singing, sports, and art, and at age 16, it was discovered that I had malignant melanoma, which is a skin cancer that had actually grown in three months in my armpit within my lymph nodes. Cancer, along with all of life's troubles, left me feeling like I didn't want or even deserve to live. I had wrestled for a time with suicidal ideation, and for me, this diagnosis seemed like finally a welcomed way out. Two years later, another lump grew, and I can remember the night before the surgery, I had a dream. In my dream, I was sitting on the sidewalk under a little tree outside of the hospital, contemplating the impending struggle of ongoing cancer, when all of a sudden, I saw two hands coming together in the clouds and I heard the voice of God speaking to me and said, Rebecca, get up, go home, you're fine. When I woke up that morning, I believed that this would be the last surgery I'd have and that I was healed. I knew God existed and I believed in the healing he was giving me, but after all that had happened, I still did not want to be his friend. I finished high school and went right to work at various different jobs. It was at my first serious job when I met a man and we fell in love. Eventually, this relationship led me to the Bible and back to God. I became convicted that God was asking me to leave this man. I didn't know why. However, I chose to obey and let him go. The brokenness at that time in my heart grew as a result, adding to the many other unresolved pains in my life. I began finding solace in romantic comedies and wine. Alcohol became my stress reliever, and it offered comfort and relaxation from anxiety and depression. That is when it ended up growing into a problem, an addiction. During this time, another man came into my life, and he pursued my heart, and we ended up getting married, all the while getting steeped deeper into addiction of drinking and smoking. During the day, I would manage successfully at my job. However, when I would get home each evening, I would fall apart. My husband and I had been going to church, and though we tried at first, ultimately I ended up just going on my own. Confusion and sadness still plagued my relationship with God, hence the distance between us grew and the drinking further increased, along with the inability to manage any increasing stresses. It was at a point in my life after a series of personal and family tragedies had taken place that the drinking escalated even further, and finally friends and family intervened. I then surrendered to the truth that I needed help. On March 21st of 2022, I entered the Teen Challenge program. This experience is teaching me many valuable and life-saving truths. I'm learning to accept the truth that God truly loves and values me as his adopted daughter. He is a father to the fatherless, says Psalm 68.5. Jesus is validating so many pains that I've experienced in my life and daily convincing me of the truth that he can actually heal every hurt. His forgiveness and love for me is demonstrating the value and freedom in forgiving. Forgiving isn't condoning or approving the actions of someone else like I'd believed. It's about giving the the offense directly to God and allowing him to deal with it. He does care and he is good. Lastly, before I came to Teen Challenge, I felt completely and utterly hopeless, and now I am hopeful. First John 3.12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God, and I am a child of God.
3: Good morning, it's great to be here this morning. Um, I'm Michaela. I'm 20 years old and I was actually born here in Oshawa and grew up between here and a small town called Lindsay. Um, My family consisted of two brothers on my mom's side and a sister on my dad's. My parents separated when I was 18 months old because their individual addictions led to a very unhealthy relationship. Due to this, I never felt I had a stable home. Eventually, my dad did end up achieving sobriety and then he met his future wife. My mom entered a very abusive relationship with another addict. The only good thing coming from it being my new stepbrother, who we accepted as family very quickly. Being eight years old, I did not fully understand the situation I was in or what my parents were going through. I was told my mom was sick, and I believe being home at this young age, or being home alone at this young age, and paramedics and police at the house once a week was normal. Eventually, my mom left this relationship, but my stepbrother would remain a part of our family. She got involved in a new, violent, or a new, more violent relationship Sorry, with a man she would marry, and I endured violations from him no child should ever have to experience. What hurt more was my mom enabling it to continue for four traumatic years. I no longer trusted anyone, felt betrayed by my mother, and thought affection was something to be feared. My defense was putting up walls I would never let anyone enter. In 2015, both my grandparents passed away from cancer. I was devastated and so was my dad, who threw away his years of sobriety and sunk deep into his old habits. He would leave for weeks on end with no contact and put us in monumentous debt in the process. Not long after this, my uncle committed suicide and I would attempt the same multiple times and begin self-harming to turn my emotional pain physical. At 16, I moved in with my mom and her husband full-time, who were in the thick of their addiction. I dropped out of grade 12, started smoking marijuana, and experimenting with cocaine, hallucinogens, and opioids. It was around this time my stepbrother had overdosed and passed away, and this turned my life from bad to worse. My mom fully lost her battle to addiction. There were random drug dealers and addicts sleeping on my couch each night, multiple robberies and raids, and never any food in the cupboards. Soon after this, we ended up with an eviction notice. My mom was admitted into the psych ward, and my stepdad was now in jail. I resorted to using cocaine, crack, and meth while dealing with the task of cleaning up paraphernalia and mess left behind. Family and friends talked to my mom, explaining how her decisions were harming those around her. She decided to give rehab one more chance, even though the past attempts were never successful. She entered the Teen Challenge program in 2018, and my stepdad was released on bail. Then he passed away due to his addiction the day after. My emotions were a roller coaster already, And then two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. I felt alone, and I was terrified. The happiest day of my life was when my son was born. I finally had a purpose. We moved into a new apartment, and I I maintained sobriety until an incident occurred, which resulted in me giving custody of him to a family member for his safety. After this, I had no motivation or happiness. I threw my life away once again, left my son's father and our apartment, turned to couch hopping between friends' houses and using crack and cocaine once again as advice. My mom, who had now successfully graduated the Teen Challenge program, was trying very hard to convince me to apply. She would tell me that she was worried my life would be soon cut short. It wasn't until I escalated to fentanyl and one day woke up in the hospital being told I was lucky to be alive that I did realize I needed help. I applied to Teen Challenge two days after I was released and entered the program a month later on April 13, 2022. Since entering the program, my mental health is better than ever and I feel like I have a chance at a future. God saved my life, my mom's life, and our chance at being the family he intended for us to be. I'm so happy that he did. I now experience a closeness to him I never before have. Through Christ I found my redemption. First John 5.19 says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I chose to let myself be under the evil one's control for too long and I lost everything in the process. I have now made it back into the arms of my Heavenly Father. I am breaking the hold addiction has on my family while I still have a full life ahead of me, and I know I can do all this through him who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. My story is not over, it's being rewritten. I gave the pen to a new author, and I cannot wait to see what the next chapter will hold.
1: (laughs) Great job, great. I want to add to that, that today is Michaela's first time ever sharing publicly. I asked pastor, one of the pastors, what do you call somebody here that's from Oshawa? Is it an Oshuan? And nobody seems to know, so I don't know. I'm a Newfie, so that's easy enough. Um, I want to just say 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Uh, The Lord has been using Teen Challenge as an effective tool helping individuals find freedom and getting the victory over drug addiction and alcohol abuse for many years now. He's been storing not only the lives of those who struggle but their families and their communities and even society at large. We see it happen all the time. My life is one of those as well. I entered into Teen Challenge in 2010. Graduated in 2011. See, I had started drinking and using alcohol as a way to cope in 2000, or when I was eight years old. And by the time I was 11, I was carrying around a jar of gasoline with me. That was my first addiction. By the time I was 12, I was using, lying, stealing, marijuana hashish, keep going. 13, LSD, magic mushrooms, 15. I am a mom. 19, I'm a mom twice over. Drug addiction and alcohol abuse plagued my life. It became a lifestyle. Criminal activity goes kit and caboodle with it. We see it in our streets today. By the time I was 28 years old, I could not function without a needle in my arm. But God in his mercy made a way for me. He's a merciful, gracious, and kind father. He did for me what I could never do for myself. Picked me up, split the C's, and brought me to Teen Challenge. And at Teen Challenge, I learned how to live. I learned how to live without using substances. I learned how to not isolate and how to be in relationship with others, whether I agreed or not agreed. Like, there was conflict, yes. There was conflict resolution taught. I had an opportunity to forgive those who hurt me, you know, and ask for forgiveness to those I've hurt It's a big deal, but I wanna leave you with this. Change is possible. Once an addict does not mean always an addict. I've been walking in freedom and victory over drug addiction and alcohol abuse for 12 years now by the grace of God and thanks to Teen Challenge. That mission, I'll remind you, is being fulfilled. Helping individuals overcome addiction to lead full and productive lives, and it's been my blessing to see this journey happen with the ladies that we care for. Thank you, Pastor, again for letting us be here. Thank you all of you for your warm welcome.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for that uh, honest storytelling and courageous, you know, the courage it takes to stand up here. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. No judgment, only compassion. When you drive by somebody and it's obvious that their life is off the rails, sometimes instinctively when we're not at our best. We go to stereotype, we go to judgment, and Jesus is not in that, right? It's compassion, it's empathy, it's someone's daughter, it's someone's son. There's a story of pain and abuse and mistreatment and neglect and Lord, help us to see people as people. They're not addicts, they're people. They're people who are stuck, and God is, is wanting to see them become unstuck. So if you're here today and you're feeling stuck, I know that Tracy and Rebecca and Michaela will be in the lobby. Um, they have information for you to help you with perhaps a next step. You may have a family member, a friend, and they're stuck. They can help you as well with information there around how you could be a source of potential help for someone you care deeply about. Uh, There's information there about how you can learn more, about how Teen Challenge is doing good in the world, and how you could perhaps partner with them in some way. I have an opportunity for all of us to partner over the next two Sundays. And uh, I I already said this church is fantastic for so many reasons. By the way, standing ovations, this is one of the reasons why I just say I love this church. Because you care about people. And uh, it's good. The Lord smiles over that kind of response. So, so thank you for celebrating people worthy of being celebrated. Yeah. Um, but, but next week, for the next two Sundays, here's what you can do. And you can head to our website because there's more information there. But um, Teen Challenge could use some help with caffeinated and decaffeinated instant coffee. All of us can do that, eh? Face cloths, large bath towels, and brand new, by the way, go, go brand new. <laughs> Grocery gift cards, feminine hygiene products, because this is for the Teen Challenge in Aurora. And um, could you help us with that? And like, let, let's overwhelm them. Let's overwhelm them with... So you can just bring it in. You will find a bin. I think it's already out there by the information center, and we'll just pile it in there, and it's going to overflow. I know it will. It'll overflow, and then we'll have to figure out a way to get it to to our friends in Aurora. But um, so next week is September 25, and then October the 2nd. So for two Sundays, if you if I spoke too fast, head over to KingStreet.org, and you'll find more, even more information of things that you can bring. Okay, and um, yeah, we believe in Team Challenge. Very proud of both you ladies. All three of you, actually. Yeah, yeah it's good. All right, so um, let's, let's end. <laughs> um, if you're able, would you stand with me? Uh, here's what we'll do as we kind of wrap up. For some of you, you wanna go right out to that Teen Challenge table, and we're gonna let Michaela and Rebecca and Tracy head out there now. You're gonna wanna go right there. And others of you wanna go to the GLS table. Others of you wanna go and connect with a friend in the cafe or pick up your kids. I get it, so you're gonna go out that way. Others of you, this has been an impactful gathering, and you need to sit with this. Uh, Or you need to be prayed for, you need to talk to someone. Um, Pastors are gonna hang out over here, my right, your left, and this will be a quiet place where you can come and just sort of have a quiet place to pray if you would like, or in your seat. So um, could you help all of us by just uh, allowing this space to be a place of quiet reflection and prayer? and out there will be a place where we learn more about all sorts of things, including connecting with friends and picking up our kids. And, uh, and we'll just allow this space to be what it is, okay? Thank you for always faithfully giving your tithes and offerings. And there are giving drop boxes in the back. Um, and uh, we, we do always appreciate your faithful and generous giving. And then next week, we're continuing our series. And it's going to be about how we can uh, win over temptation so that we can make a meaningful contribution in the kingdom of God. And pastors Gary and Alicia are going to give a scripture talk. And I will be away because my daughter is getting married next Saturday. So... <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And to be honest, a little sad. Um, that's another conversation. <laughs> She's marrying an awesome guy. He, she, I, I just, absolutely. But it's just hard, eh, when your daughter gets married? Anybody have a daughter get married ever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Pray for me and my, and my wife. Okay. Lord, uh, thank you for Teen Challenge, and thank you for these ladies who are just uh, trophies of grace. They are firebrands like the rest of us snatched from the fire. And thank you, God, that you have purposes and plans for them that are amazing, and not just them, but so many who are being helped in all sorts of Teen Challenge locations. We thank you for the reach of that ministry. We pray that it would continue, especially in this post-pandemic time we're living through, that they would just help more and more people to find faith and freedom And uh, so we pray your blessing over leadership. May the Spirit of God be so strongly present in every one of the Teen Challenge homes, uh, changing hearts and revealing who you are as our Father, uh, who loves us more than we love ourselves. We just pray, Lord, over that very um, strategically uh, raised up ministry. And uh, Lord, we pray for ourselves here um, at King Street that you would help us to grow in freedom and uh, for some, Lord, it's not obvious to neighbor, but there's areas where we're, we're being tripped up and we're struggling and we're entangled. And um, it's um, maybe not known to anyone else or perhaps just a very small circle. Pray, God, that you would liberate us and help us to find our way forward in Christ, not running from the pain, not seeking too much pleasure, surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people and choosing your path, which is the narrow way of the gospel of Jesus. And so lead us and guide us and direct us always, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And before you go, can I bless you? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance towards you and give you much peace and much grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you.